Hey, good Tuesday morning to you, and welcome into Darren, Donnie, and Chase on this overcast day. We're downtown Nashville, Pete and Terry's Tavern, right here at Bridgestone Arena. You know what that means. Predators are back at home after that overtime thriller in Tampa where they beat the Lightning. Tonight, it'll be the Chicago Blackhawks. Boo. 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 Has it gone away? I still feel like booing every time I say the Chicago Blackhawks. It shouldn't even go away either. Some I mean, people, I, you know, think it's not the same. Well, it's still the same in my book. Doesn't go away overnight, that's for sure. So it'll be the Blackhawks tonight, the Calgary Flames on Thursday night on Halloween to close out the month of October. The Predators have a big announcement today at 1130. We will carry that press conference live. David Poyle, the general manager, normally... <coughs> Um, since we don't have a cough button, yeah. we'll have to probably get used to that. That's okay. Sorry about that. Um, I can go get you a cough button. I know where one it is. It might be handy. Okay. I'll do that. I'll do that for you because I, I know where we keep the cough buttons in Bridgestone Arena. I do. David Poyle normally joins us at 11.15, and uh, we will move him, push him back an hour, so it'll be 12.15 Yeah, what's he today. doing? What's he doing? You got something going on today? Clearly, he's going to be talking at 11.30. I wonder what about. Well, I mean, it's a major hockey announcement. It's pretty easy to connect the Roman Yossi dots. I mean, a major. See, announcement. I was going to say there's 59 dots you can connect. That's, yeah, there that's, you go. That's a good line. That's what I was going to say. I would tell you there's nine and a half million dots to connect. It's a lot of dots. That's north of nine million, by the way. That is north of nine million, and those up to the north are reporting. That it's eight years north of nine million. North of nine million. We're just we're we're funny. By the way, if it is, and and I'm, I was just joking around. I don't know, but if it is like nine and a half, I said nine and a quarter. The whole yeah. time that was been my number nine point two five. And I I think so. I, I would not be day, surprised. Didn't Willie say nine? You said nine and a quarter. Then I went nine and a half. So we were all around it essentially. I don't. I don't. I think, I think that's that, what that sounds right. And Elliot Friedman reported in his 31 thoughts and then told us his first appearance of, you know, nine. He thinks there's going to be a nine and, you know, in front of it. And it, that's everything that's being reported right now. Pierre Lebrun, Elliot Friedman, they're all putting that out there. But here's what is, I guess. It'll be a max deal. Yeah, it's I mean. a max deal. Well, here's what's surprising to me. Uh, it's being reported by a lot of those same sources that Roman Yossi's getting a full no-move clause, which – we know the Predators usually don't like to do. They did it for Pecorino, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a limited in the last three years of a deal with Duchesne, but um, according to Pierre Lebron and others, it's a full no move, which means for those of you that aren't familiar with that, the player, Roman Yossi in this sense, cannot be traded, put on waivers, sent to the minors without his approval. So he basically can say, nope, not going to do it, and – the Preds have to honor that. That just shows you, in my mind, if that is true, and again, nothing official yet, uh, that just shows you how much they think of their captain, that they're willing no to do that. So, But it shouldn't surprise any of us who have been around him at all that uh, that would be the case. He's the real deal. He is one of the best. By the way, speaking of that, uh, the Predators have recalled Colin Blackwell from Milwaukee. So, seem to be giving some guys in Milwaukee shots at uh, 
you know, take it in a game or two. They had Anthony Richard for Saturday down in Tampa and sent him back, and yeah. I guess it's Colin Blackwell's turn. So they just uh, they recalled him. Um, <laughs> anybody who's been around him, I mean, it, it's, you know, everybody knows that he's one of the best defensemen in the league, and it's not even close. I have always said for years I've uh, – Carlson's – he's – look, I get it. He's he's good. In my mind – this is just my opinion. I have always felt – that he is a smidge overrated. I don't believe right. he's as, as great as, as everybody has made him out to be over the years. If you were asking me who I would take, and I've been pretty consistent on this, I would take Yossi over Carlson all day, and clearly the Predators feel the same way. And I think in the end, that Carlson deal for the Sharks is going to end up biting them. It's it's just not going to be a good deal. No, I, it's all I, I agree with that. And, you know, I look at this deal – Listen, any any type of max deal, you know, for that many of years and money could come back to bite you. That just that's the risk you take because you never know what's going to happen with injury and and things like that. But for this deal, I I think we all felt like Roman Yossi had earned it um and that he was going to be rewarded for his hard work. David Poyle typically likes to reward those that have grown up in the organization, the draft picks. I mean, essentially with this deal, Roman Yossi can play for one team his whole career if both sides want it that way and with the no move clause i mean he has much more control of that so you know i i think it's it's exactly what he deserved and you know that was going to be the price of doing business and i i'm with you that the the carlson deal i think looking at uh looking at some research on this i believe he's going to be the third highest paid defenseman yep with this deal so you know I think sometimes Look, markets it's not, overpay. It, well, but. right. That's what I'm saying. It's not – I've always – you know you know me. I, you've heard my message. It's not everybody else's job to – just because somebody else overpays somebody, it's not your job to match or go higher than them just because somebody else got a bad deal. Yeah. I mean, you're allowed to say, you know what, we don't agree with that deal, and you overpaid. You're going to have to deal with that. Our player is special, too. We think he's better than your player. I get it. He deserves more than you, but you should have paid your player a lot less. That's on you, you know. And so I don't – I've never understood that. And I know players just want the most. I get all that. But it's just like we talked about the Todd Gurley deal. It's like, you know, well, you're not obligated. I feel like hockey players are a little different. Though. Yeah, there, there no, are, they, no there, they are. There are some that, yeah, they want the most. They want the money. You know, they want to have the highest paid. I think for somebody, and, and, you know, look, I don't know. I'm not trying to speak for Roman Yossi and put words in his mouth, but I feel like he wanted to be here, wanted to stay here. He's said that before. He wanted a fair deal, but at the same time, I didn't think, I think it was like Ryan Ellis. He wasn't going to be like, no, I, $12 million or I walk. Like, I just, I never felt like it was going that way with him. And, you know, we were all, you know, kind of all around it, saying nine million, nine and a half, somewhere in there. You said nine and a quarter. That's that's been your stance. So, to me, that's fair. And of course, the max eight years, which you can re-sign a player to that's on your team. And now it's done. Now David Poyle can start to to look at the rest of this roster and, and what else he needs to do moving forward, or what he'll have to do in the off season. But it's still way too early to be talking about that. Yeah, but. Because something, I mean, they will, they'll have to be changed. I mean, you just, yeah. I've been saying it for a good while. Like, you can't give everybody max deals for eight and nine million dollars. Like, something will eventually give. The dam will eventually give, right? Water's right. going to get through. And so you can't, 
when you're already and I realize this con it doesn't kick in. Ryan Ellis's new deal kicked in. Yep. You know, so that that won't kick in until next year. But we got a long ways to go to before we talk about all that. But something, you know, there will have to be changes. There's no doubt about it. And there's guys who have pretty hefty price tags that will be free agents, so they'll have to make tough well, decisions. And that's that's kind of what I was getting at because now he has a starting point because he know he knows what it, at least right now what his budget is going to be because that was the biggest contract and he had to take care of that before he could really do anything else. Now I think you'll see him start to evaluate of, okay, Mikhail Granlin, what do we think about that? Craig Smith, Austin Watson, Rocco Grimaldi. I mean, those are the other ones that are going to have to be addressed at some point. Don't have to do it tomorrow. But, you know, that that's just something that David Poyle will look at eventually. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of the nature of doing business. That's part of his job. And he'll join us today at 1215 and – I'm sure we'll get into all that. Uh, we will, actually. Yeah. We will yeah. get into all that, for sure. 12-15, David Poyle, like I said, will carry that press conference at 11.30. So, obviously, we've had to do some juggling on the show whenever something like this gets dropped in your lap last minute. So, we do a little juggling act. Mitch will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll just uh, talk a little college football with him for a segment or two and uh, – kind of lead things along the path. Derek Mason will go run West End at 1 o'clock. So we got a lot of things to get into. It's been a while since I've been to the arena, or it's been some hours since I've been to the arena. Last night, getting to sit, got a, yeah. got a chance to uh, check one off, right? When you go to a lot of concerts and the older you get, sometimes there's just shows you're like, you know, I'd like to see – them before this is it um it's kind of like when i went to kiss you know i i said you know i I, i'm not going to pretend i was the biggest kiss fan or i am the biggest kiss fan i just i appreciate what they've done and you know it was their last deal i mean they're all seven in their 70s 70 72 and it's like that was it so i wanted to go to elton john i've never seen i had already seen kiss but i wanted to see him one more time so elton john i'd never seen so i got the opportunity to go last night so packed house here at bridgestone arena played for almost three hours by the way the tickets at eight o'clock he had no opening act he was on the stage at 806 nice and i said i will take that all day long yeah wow i saw that believe it or not the most punctual band we've seen was uh, two of us which is insane to say out loud (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Because of their their track record and their history over the years, Guns and Roses yeah. here. I mean, they they were on the stage at seven o'clock. It I said seven that. o'clock, and they were on the stage at seven o'clock on the button. Huh. Axel Rose. That. And remember, luckily we have been tipped. Like they will be on the stage at seven o'clock, so we were in our seats. Right, we knew. Unfortunately, thousands were not because they were thinking the same thing. We would have been thinking if it wasn't for the tip of. Hey, you're going to need to be in your seats by 7. A lot of people are like, it's Guns N' Roses. Come on, right. lead it. Yeah, I get it, 7. And they're not going to be on stage at 7. They were. But he's played 25 songs last night. Started wow. off the night with Benny and the Jets and uh, ended the night with uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, of course, yeah. the farewell tour for Yellow Brick Road. So that made sense. But it was fun. It was a fun night. Everybody, you could just, everybody was just in a good mood when you left. 
I've seen the, I saw the movie. Did you yeah. see it? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. It's good. It's really good. And so it kind of puts his life in context. He talked about it last night. Talked about how he's been clean and sober for 29 years, almost three decades. Wow. And how he, you know, his life spiraled out of control and how he lost touch with reality and just everything. He got caught up in, you know, his fame and fortunes yeah. and, you know, what a lot of people do, right? We talk about it all the time. Everybody acts like it's – until you've walked in those shoes, you have no idea how you handle it. You think you may know how you'll handle it, but – You never know. You if you've never it. walked into those shoes, you don't really know how you will handle it. But in it, nonetheless, it was a really, really good show last night. I was glad uh, we were able to do it and um, had a lot of fun. And so um, that was it. And by the way, he had canceled a show on Saturday, so – right. A lot of people were like, um, and this is the second. It's the same tour, but he played last year too here. So he's done. He did yeah, two shows did on the go. same tour. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, he's about to head back overseas again. Yeah, I think he's going to go Germany and Australia and all that here soon. Wow! And then he'll return back to the states, I guess, in 2020. So pretty long tour for Elton John as he uh, wraps up his Hall of Fame career. We'll come back. More of Darren, Donick, and Chase on the other side on this Tuesday morning, ESPN 102.5, the game. I'm sure Roman Yossi's been playing this song all morning long. It's appropriate. Press conference at 11.30. We will air that live. Speaking of that, hey, Preds fans, don't forget Smashville Live. Another installment is tomorrow at Boom Boz Craft Pizza and Tap House. That's in East Nashville, not far from here, located at uh, 1003 Russell Street from 7 until 8 o'clock. This week's guests are players Ryan Johansson and Colton Sissons. That'll be good. That couple should of BC be, guys. Should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. First 50 people have an opportunity to get an autograph or a picture with those guys. Fans can register and win two tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. Smashville Live is brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. So go out there tomorrow night from 7 until 8 o'clock. Boom Boz, Craft Pizza, and Tap House there in East Nashville. It's on Russell Street. It's always a fun night. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it last week. Yeah, I I did one last year, and it was Ryan Johansson and Roman Yossi, ironically. So today, tomorrow night, it'll be Ryan Johansson and Colton Sissons. So you got a chance to watch last night's game? I'm, I'm sorry. I know. You, or actually, I have a you friend. You could have turned away. Well, but see, I was being a good friend because uh, somebody I know is a big Dolphins fan, and and just ride or die. You know, they're gonna. Is that serious? Is it, are you are you making? No, I am. I, I'm I'm very serious. Yeah. So one of my really good friends is a Dolphins fan. So. She was like, let's, you know, will you go watch the game? It's Monday night. And I'm like, sure. Now, you know, good thing there was there was beer and food. And so, you know, it was good. But then when they go up 14 nothing, I'm like, oh, hey, look at this. Look at this. And she just looks at me and goes, I'll give them time. They'll screw it up. And they did. Yeah. So <laughs> Tank for Tua continues. Yeah. When they, they were up at what point? What? How much was it? Um, 14 to 3. Is that right? Yeah. 14 nothing. Something like that. 14, 14 nothing. nothing. Yeah. It was their first double-digit lead of the season. Wow. Still lost. Still lost. Man, they're just bad. Bad, bad football team. I don't think Pittsburgh's particularly good either. Right. To be quite honest. 
Uh, the Chargers have cut ties with their offensive coordinator. Uh-huh. I saw that. The Wizenator is no more in L.A. So Ken Wizenhunt has been shown the door. Um, they just come off a big win. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago. That's kind of strange. The timing was very strange on yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, if they would have lost again, okay, I, I get it. He was a holdover from um, McCoy's staff, I think. Stayed on with Anthony Lynn when he got the job. And a lot of that had to do with his relationship with Phillip Rivers because, you know, he was the OC and then he left, came here. That ended poorly. And then he went back to uh, to the Chargers. And I guess something something was off and they needed to make a change. But, yeah, Ken Wisenhunt uh, out of a job. And I, know, I was watching Twitter last night. I know there were some Titans fans that had some thoughts on that. So. Did you have any? I did. Yeah. yeah. What'd, you, I, what'd you tweet out? I tweeted a gif of Marcus yeah. Mariota doing a fist, like mm-hmm. a touchdown, and then mm-hmm. shaking the fist. So, listen, you know, because that was around the time that uh, you know I started producing the midday show, and I remember that day vividly that we're getting, you know, I'm getting ready for the show, and you call me, and he goes, and you tell me the Titans just fired Ken Wisenhunt, and that was one of the craziest days I can. I can remember because that's pretty much all we did. But I think a lot of people would agree that he tried to turn Jake Locker into something that he wasn't, and then he tried to turn Marcus Mariota into something that he wasn't. And he was a prime. And I was actually tweeting back and forth with Bernard Pollard last night that he was a prime example of the type of coach and OC, head coach and offensive coordinator that you you're going to run my offense my way, and he's not going to adapt to the type of player that he has it worked with philip rivers because that was perfect yeah but with quarterbacks like locker and mariota that just wasn't the case chargers were averaging 19.6 points a game which was ranked 23rd in the league so i guess uh, anthony lynn saying that uh they need to change in fact he said you win as a team you lose as a team it's never about one person at the end of the day however I simply felt a change was needed at this time i want to thank ken for his years of service, and we wish him the best in his future endeavors. They didn't really say that, but pretty close to that. I mean, don't they always say yeah. we wish him the best in their yes. future endeavors? Yes. It's kind of implied. Uh-huh. We're going to find out here today if there's any chance uh, 9 and 95 who were not in the lineup on Saturday night and down in Tampa, which made uh, the win even more impressive. Yeah. We'll kind of find out uh, if they are inching a little bit closer. Any chance anybody returning? I'm talking about Matt Deshane and Philip Forsberg. Who Philip has now missed six Almost games six in games, a row. Yeah. Six games in a row. They have an optional skate today, so I don't know. If right, it'll really, be hard. Yeah, it'll be hard to tell really anything. Learn too much. Wonder if Roman Yossi's going to skate. <laughs> is he going to take the take the optional no, skate today, he's, or is he's he going to skip? He's going to skip. Put his not on? skip skate, but just skip on the ice. Yeah, I would. Yeah, maybe dance. Do a do a do a happy dance. Maybe I make would it be rain. if if the reports are true. And if I signed a deal like that, I would be skipping. I, can I just say I would this? be dancing. You know, we, we get to deal with these guys a lot. Roman's awesome. We love Roman. Roman is one of the easiest players to deal with. But th- this guy goes from making $4 million a year now to a reported nine, over $9 million a year. Like, just how do I get that? What do I got to do? I know I'm never going to make it in this business but <laughs> with that kind of money, but come on, man. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy though. He he deserves it. I mean, we I joke, but he's he's awesome to deal with. So I know that we're all 
we're all happy for him. And at eleven thirty, we'll get the official announcement. Yeah, if you're looking for that radio deal, good luck yeah, to you. Well, good luck well. to you in the industry, or another industry that you pick that you can go chase contracts like that. Not gonna happen. No, no. There's like one guy who's made that type of dough in this business. Yeah, yeah. more than that. Actually, more than Stern. That. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. one. There's one of those guys, and I. I don't think I can get away with his shtick. I think only he could get away with. Yeah. That. <laughs> no, people have tried. They have failed. Yeah, they've tried. They've they all failed. tried to be him. All right, we will come one. back. Let's do this right now. Let's let's make you a winner. We'll come back and talk a little college football with Mitch Light from Athlon Sports. But let's give you an opportunity to go see Nashville SC take on Indy Eleven over at First Tennessee Park for the Eastern Conference semifinal of the USL playoffs. It'll be this Saturday after their big win over Charleston Battery. Uh, let's say Caller 4 will win a pair of tickets to that on Saturday. 737-1025. By the way, you gain an hour on Saturday, too, so keep that in mind. So this could be a really cool Saturday night. Go to Nashville SC and then go do whatever you want to do afterwards, and you'll gain an hour. So Caller 4 at 615-737-1025. We'll come back with... Mitch, on the other side of Darren, Donick, and Chase, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Back here on Darren, Donick, and Chase on this Tuesday morning. We're sitting here live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. If you're looking for a place to have lunch today, you're down in the downtown area, come on over here. Burger and a beer for $12.50. Their food is really, really good here. We know firsthand. Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside. Willie D will join us in a bit. We say hello and good morning to Mitch Light from Athlon Sports. Mitch, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. Yeah, you too. Hope you had a good weekend. I did. I did. Although, uh, real quick, I know you guys are not, you know, uh, well-versed sports fans. I grew up a big fan of the uh, New Jersey, now Brooklyn Nets, so I took the boy to Memphis to watch the Nets play the Grizzlies Sunday night to watch them lose in overtime at the buzzer. So other than that, it was a great weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, how's the crowd these days for Grizzlies games? It wasn't great. I would say it seats about 18. I don't know what they announced. My guess is they had about 10,000 there. Kind of a, it's a 5 o'clock Sunday, more fan fr- family-friendly. Um, I don't think expectations are high, although John Morant's a very good, uh, fun young player. I, I suspect they'll get better as, as, you know, if Morant continues to play well. It's actually my first time at the FedEx Forum. Been to oh, some wow. uh, Grizzlies oh, game wow. back when they played at the Pyramid, but had never been to the FedEx Forum. It's a nice place. It's a very nice arena. Yes, I've been there for wrestling and a great, Brooks. great location. Yeah, great location. In downtown. I, not, not to get too. It, comparing it to some other new arenas, there's a to my there's a lot of seats in the upper deck. Almost too, you know, compared to Bridgestone and some. It seems like there's too many of the seats are in the upper deck and in the end zones. There might be too many of the seats aren't aren't great viewing but maybe they're more affordable that way who knows but uh well, it's it definitely the, a cool place the good news for uh, the fedex forum this college basketball season those seats in the upper deck will probably be full yes yes sky obviously uh optimism for the tigers sky high no doubt about it so i want to start in a weird way before we uh delve into some of these matchups and what took place over the weekend What do you make? I'm sure you've seen the report out there, Adam Rittenberg with ESPN.com. What did you make of him tagging Jeff Fisher as a potential target for uh, Vanderbilt, the next head football coach of Vanderbilt? Well, you know, uh, you know, you guys know how this thing works. You know, and I, I know Adam very well, actually. He used to write for Athlon Sports and, and very good reporter, so I'm not saying, you know, he. 
could be true for all we know. But agents talk, people talk, and when you see lists like this, just because someone's name has been uh, mentioned doesn't mean there's anything to it. Obviously, there's no opening right now. That goes without saying. Uh, I chuckled. Um, I've always thought Jeff Fisher – um, in his younger days, would be a good college coach, uh, even though he had not coached in college. Maybe he did right after he graduated from USC, but his energy thought he'd be a good recruiter. But at this time, doesn't seem like he'd be a, 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 the, the right fit for all parties involved there. So I, I did take note of that, kind of chuckled, and then you know it seems to be uh, uh, people around the, the Internet not taking that one too seriously. Yeah, it's just strange timing right. too, right? You come off a, a win over a ranked team and – this comes out. I mean, I, you know, you would think they lost to Missouri forty-eight to nothing, and then this right. article comes out. Right, but you know, it, it's it's in, in what Adam was doing. It wasn't a specific report. Right, yeah, right. It, it was more the entire. For those of you who didn't see it, the entire landscape. It went all over all the schools that might have an opening in a few months and here and threw out a bunch of names for each school. So um, you, you know how these things work. So, uh, but uh, definitely interesting. No doubt about it. What did you make of? Tennessee handling South Carolina in the fashion that they did. Yeah, uh, surprising. I'm not surprised they, they won the game. In fact, I um, had I felt better about their quarterback situation going into the week, I probably would have picked Tennessee uh, to, to win that game. Um, obviously, Jared Garantano played very well. Didn't get the start, um, which in a, in a weird thing, um, you know, they started in the Wildcat, and then Shrout gets the first true quarterback snap, but Garantano played very well. That game was just about big plays, and and we talk a lot. That's what offenses need nowadays. It's very difficult to to move up and down the field as 8, 10, 14 play drives. When you can get the big plays, it helps out so much, and we've talked all year. They they do have the weapons on the outside. They have the weapons at the running back. If they can get consistent play from the quarterback position and the offensive line can protect, they can score. And so that was – definitely promising for Tennessee moving forward and for South Carolina a little bit alarming uh the defense had played so much you know played well in the win over Georgia keeping Georgia out of the end zone for the most part um Ryan Holinsky has you know through over I think 50 passes some accuracy issues there they too have good receivers you know Brian Edwards made that fantastic catch they start the game on 75 yard drive so it was an entertaining game no doubt it is interesting after we talked so much about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan last Tuesday with you that it was, I think, the very next day he comes out with a letter to the families. I'm not going to the NFL. Don't believe any of the reports. You know, that was yeah. kind of a crazy storyline. And then they just hammer Notre Dame on Saturday night. Yeah, impressive win, um, no doubt about it. You know, weather impacted. I think the the, the play calling for both teams, Michigan, rarely threw the ball um and then when they saw Shea Patterson try to throw the ball left-handed um on a lateral I think they they shut him down after that game after that play pretty much but very impressive and a much needed win for Michigan we, we they played better in the second half against um Penn State you know Michigan's not into moral victories and all that stuff but it, it was noteworthy that they did look better in the second half in the loss at Penn State and they looked good on defense and it was it was a troubling loss for Notre Dame but I give all the credit to Michigan, all the adversity, all the talk around them for, the, for them to pick up a win in that fashion was very important for that program. I was watching Paul Feinbaum this morning on Get Up. I don't know if you saw this. No. My goodness. He was just like, he was not very kind to Brian Kelly. I mean, it was, a, he just said flat out Notre Dame like needs to move on from him. In fact, his words were give him a gold watch 
and move on because it, it's stagnant. You know, basically he's he's reached the the ceiling at Notre Dame, and and they need to go get Urban Meyer. Well, we all know Urban Meyer is going to land somewhere. I, I've never felt like Florida State because of Florida. I never felt like Michigan because of Ohio State. He doesn't want to mess with those fan bases. He wants to still be loved by them, and if he goes to those schools, he will no longer be loved by them. So he needs no attachments to those schools, and USC and Notre Dame do make sense because that keeps everybody happy. Well, a couple things there. Uh, first of all, Paul Feinbaum last week said that Jim Hart, you can find a better coach um, to, for Michigan by opening up your phone book, which really don't exist anymore, and picking a name out. So after – so I guess if he thinks that lowly of Jim Harbaugh, what does he think of the guy that lost to Jim Harbaugh? So you can right. see where that, that's going. <laughs> so um, I, I don't subscribe to that theory at all. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly won 10 games in 2017, won 12 games last year. They're 5-2 and two this year. They could win 8, 9, 10 games this year. Uh, the, you could, the Notre Dame ceiling is a whole other debate, whether or not you think they're a championship-caliber program. They did play in the playoff last year. They played in the BCS championship game in 2012. Now you can argue whether or not you believe if you thought they should be there. But aside from that four and eight aberration in 2016, they've been a consistently strong program. Now the Urban Meyer talk. Uh, there's some Notre Dame people I follow, very, connect, very well-connected people that I follow on Twitter who cover Notre Dame. Someone brought that up to them and, and basically said no chance of that happening. But if you guys recall, back in when Urban Meyer went to Florida after his undefeated season at Utah, he had the choice between Notre Dame and Florida and chose Florida. And he'd been a former assistant at Notre Dame under Lou Holt, so there was the tie there. But he chose Florida. I don't know if there's any bridges that were burned by not picking Notre Dame at that point, but I will give you that. If Notre Dame did come open, which I don't think it will, and he wanted to get back in coaching, that seemed like it would be a perfect marriage if there, if there are if there's still bridges uh, that haven't been burned. Isn't it amazing what Alabama and Clemson have done to all these fan bases and everybody else in the, in the boosters of these big programs? It's like unless you're winning it, unless you're playing for national championships, they, they are just not satisfied. I mean, just think about what you said. Notre Dame went undefeated in the regular season last year. They went to the playoffs. And, yes, a lot of people, like me, didn't think they were that good. I thought they were a fraud, and they got smoked. But they were in the playoffs, and they went undefeated. You know, it, it, so it's not like they're not relevant. Michigan, now, do, does anybody remember the Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke days? I mean, <laughs> I, it, it's just crazy because I know what they're doing. They're saying we we should look just like them. And so it's like they go crazy if they're not winning it. And I think, Clem, I think really, in just my opinion, I feel like Alabama and Clemson have done this to all these big, huge fan bases. Agree yeah, or disagree? I- yeah, I mean, I see see your point there. Let's throw some other teams in there. Georgia, who, you know, Kirby Smart appeared to be knocking down doors that Mark Richt couldn't quite knock down in a short amount of time. But now, if they don't make the playoff this year, it's like they've regressed. And what's going on there? Look at Texas A&M. We talk about them spending $75 million. They don't spend $75 million on a coach and, and half a billion dollars on stadium renovations to go eight and four every year. Um, there's more programs spending more money than we've ever seen in fan bases. Boosters expect great returns on that investment, and you do the math. Not everyone can win, and then when you have two programs that are winning every year that are hurdles for everyone, it makes it that much more difficult. So that you know, it's 
it's part of the reason we love this sport. Part of the reason it kind of it, it, it's maddening, but uh, it's just the, the landscape of college football right now. Mitch Light from Athlon Sports is here with us on Darren Donick and Chase, and uh, I guess we're going to have the battle for the SEC East this weekend: Georgia, Florida, the cocktail party taking place in Jacksonville. I mean, is that is that the right assumption in your mind that the winner of this game is going to be playing in Atlanta here in a, a month or so? Yeah, Chase, I don't see you know how how we you could come up with any other scenario. There, there was talk a couple of weeks ago that, that that Missouri, when they were two and zero, might be a team to to watch out for. But clearly, the, they're 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 like an old college basketball team. Remember teams that just get smoked on the road and win at home all the time. That's kind of what they are in football this year. And, so the winner of this game will have obviously a one-game lead over the team it beats, which is basically a two-game lead because they'd have a tiebreaker. And then, uh, then Missouri with two losses, Tennessee with three losses, I, I don't consider either of those a serious threat there. So, yeah, this is, this is a huge game for both teams, not just because the SEC East is at stake. It's because the winner will only have one loss, and, and the college football playoff r- r- remains in the picture. Now both teams will have some, you know, some serious – uh, difficult games uh, ahead of them, um, but it, it's fascinating. You know, heading into the season, would you guys have thought that the spread in this game would be so low? I think it's six. Um, yeah, with Georgia, Georgia by six. Right, uh, but you know, Georgia clearly has not played up to what we thought we'd see from Georgia this year. And Florida looks like you know a legit top ten team, if not better. Um, despite having its backup quarterback and a suspect offensive line. So I think Georgia's my pick this week, uh, but I wouldn't pick them to cover the spread there. I don't know if I trust their offense against that really good Florida defense, and Florida's getting a lot healthier on defense, on the defensive line, and in the secondary. So this one should be a defensive battle. From a playoff standpoint, I believe that the question is not which of these two teams you know, is, is better in beating each other or whatever, but which team do you think has the best shot of beating either LSU or Alabama in the SEC championship game? Uh, oh, between Florida and Georgia. That's, yeah. Uh, the, the, right now, I don't know, Chase. I honestly don't know. I, I want to see more from both teams. I want to see more from Georgia. I, I think I, I They think haven't Georgia shown a lot my, in the last few weeks. Yeah, they, they, I, think, I mean, they've shown a lot of bad. Yeah, I, I think Georgia would be my answer because Georgia has a higher ceiling than, than Florida does, in my opinion. I, I still think Florida with its uh, uh, has some uh, offensive not inadequacies. Not, that's not the right word, but I still don't trust their offensive line, um, although LSU and Alabama aren't as ferocious on defense as we've usually seen. So um, that's a good question. I, I still think I'd say Georgia. I just think at their peak, they are better than Florida and would give Alabama slash LSU a more difficult game. Another game that I am intrigued by is not in the SEC. It's a top 25 matchup. Game day is actually going to be in Memphis as undefeated SMU comes to Memphis to take on the Tigers. This is, this is pretty cool that this uh, matchup is taking place. And SMU, they've been fun to watch this year. Yeah, two programs that and have just a few years ago obviously we all know SMU's issues going way back but uh just a few years ago were two of the worst in college football in Memphis you know in about a six seven year period has come so far I like Memphis comfortably in this game I think they're the better team they do have a loss on their resume Temple kind of controversial if you guys remember that call late in the game that was overturned um, and then but they they beat Tulane by 30 they also have wins over Ole Miss they beat a good Navy team uh, so I think they're the better team uh, SMU with Shane Bouchelle at quarterback has been a great story they're very good offensively uh, but I like Memphis at home but I'm with you uh, Chase fun to see these two, these two teams on a national stage last thing <clears throat> real quick 
Excuse me, Mitch. I'm getting choked up. Getting emotional, you, I know. I am getting emotional. If I was a Wisconsin fan, I'm emotional. <laughs> so we talked about the Badgers, right? Their, their incredible start and their defense and how good they looked. And then the last two games, it's like just a big splat. What, what do you make of that? And I guess is it safe to say that they were a fraud all along or no? I, I, I don't know how to answer that question because they were so dominant that I didn't care who they played. Like, you just you don't shut out four teams, four, four out of six teams in college football and then hold, you know, Michigan to, you know, dominate them like you did without being good. So uh, fraud's a strong word. They clearly weren't national championship good or playoff good. Um, you know, losing at Ohio State 38-7 to is, is no crime. It doesn't make you a bad team. You can still be a top-10 team and lose that game, but then when you throw in the Illinois loss, that's more troubling. I think they'll bounce back against – they get a week off against Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, Minnesota. I think they will win out, um, although the, you know, the Minnesota game will be difficult. I think they're a good team, just not a great team. Um, I think we see their offensive limitations in the passing game, and if you can slow down Jonathan Taylor like Ohio State did, you can make them one-dimensional. But uh, they are a very in- interesting team, Darren, because of how dominant they were early in the season you know what's interesting is no one and i mean no one i'm not even sure in that state no one is talking about minnesota <laughs> PJ no one is talking about minnesota right. i don't know if you guys saw his uh, passionate plea to get game day there next week for the penn state game minnesota's undefeated penn state's undefeated both have a week off this week they're playing at minnesota next week it'd be the biggest minnesota football game i know in my lifetime so i, yeah. I, I think the, and the interesting thing and pj fleck mentioned that's their own, they're the only Division One football team in that state. They're the only Division One basketball team in that state. Think of state wow. of Tennessee. I think there are ten D one basketball schools in Tennessee. There are four in Nashville. There's one in the entire state of Minnesota. So Man. his point was, hey, you'll have the entire state. I think he promised game day there'd be four million people at the game day. I don't think he can really <laughs> deliver that. But PJ Flex probably said a lot of things that aren't true on the recruiting trail. So you never oh, know. Oh, that's good. Hey, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate uh, you understanding uh, having to shuffle some things around today. So thanks. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. No problem, Darren. Take care, guys. All right, Mitch Light from Athlon Sports, also Vanderbilt sideline reporter. We will come back and wrap up the first hour. First, want to say thanks uh, or congrats to Julie and in Murfreesboro, and thanks because thanks for, thanks for listening because you were lucky caller for Julie is going to Nashville SC at First Tennessee Park on Saturday. So good job by Julie. We'll come back wrap up the first hour next. We're back, Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 102.5, the game, streaming all around the world on that beautiful Game Nashville app that you hear us talk out of all the time. Live at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena, Preds and the Chicago Blackhawks. Later on tonight, coming up at 11.30, a major announcement by the Nashville Predators. And listen, the reports are out there. Roman Yossi will sign a long-term extension, so that is what we're expecting um, some interesting news Adam Schefter of ESPN's putting out there uh, it is NFL trade deadline day we know there have been some big trades around the NFL that have happened over the course of the last couple weeks but the Titans have aport- reportedly worked out free agent quarterbacks Josh Johnson and Taylor Hinky. Heineke Heineke thank you Max Heineke um, so they've worked out a couple quarterbacks Okay, don't really know what to read into that, if anything at all. Um, but that is interesting with it being trade deadline day and 
listen, I, I don't think it takes a, a rocket science, scientist to figure out anything. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't see them trading him. I'm wondering if it's a, you know, if it's injury related, something like that um, with one of the QBs. But I don't know. So they've worked out a couple quarterbacks. We'll see uh, what that means and, and keep monitoring that with trade deadline, uh, the trade deadline around 3 o'clock today uh, for the National Football League. But back to the Predators. They had an optional skate. Uh, they have recalled Colin Blackwell from Milwaukee. Uh, he will get his chance to, uh, to maybe uh, make an impact. But don't know about Matt Duchesne. Don't know about Philip Forsberg, what their status will be tonight. I, I, we talked about this yesterday, and I tweeted it out, Max, that the fact that they were able to go into Tampa, be down 2-1, tie it up, get the point, go to overtime, and then win it in overtime without their two best players in the lineup shows you just how good this team really is. And uh, I think that, that that really sent a message to the rest of the league. Yeah, that's that's a special result right there because – ideally that's the only game the Preds play without both those guys in the lineup all year again we don't really know anything about the severity of what Matt Duchesne's dealing with right now I don't think correct me if I'm wrong there but also Philip Forsberg expected back sooner rather than later so if the Preds can go through an entire season with at least one of those guys in the lineup every night they're going to be in good shape And, and again a lot of these a lot of these east west games even between the elite teams of the east and west like the Preds and the Lightning are a lot of those games will go to overtime just because the loser point doesn't matter to the other team if you're on the other side of the league standings. So it's good to get that done, but to win it there is even better. Yeah, absolutely. And then tonight is one of those, you know, we, we've talked about games like Detroit and, uh, and, and some others that they've struggled, Phoenix or Arizona, that they've struggled against that they probably shouldn't. You know, Chicago is not the same Chicago they were a few years ago, but they're still – they still have talent. They're trying to figure out the goaltending situation. It's a central division matchup. And, oh, by the way, these two teams don't like each other. So I expect this to be a, uh, a pretty playoff-like game later on tonight. And, of course, uh, it'll be coming off the heels of the big announcement that's coming up at 1130. David Poyle is going to join us at 1215. So we'll have a lot of questions to ask him uh, You know when they announce the Roman Yossi deal. Again, if you are just joining us, the reports uh, that are out there, Pierre Lebrun, Elliot Friedman, that it is an eight-year max deal worth just north of $9 million per year, making him the third highest paid defenseman in the NHL. And Pierre Lebrun also reports that he believes it includes uh, a full no-movement clause, which Nashville typically does not give those out. Pecorine the only player to get the full no move clause in his career. So uh, talk, Pierre goes on to say that talks heated up over the last three to four days. And it looks like uh, Roman Yossi is going to be rewarded for a lot of hard work that he's had with this franchise. And the captain is going to be here for many, many years to come. So we'll have a lot to get into with that. Again, the press conference coming up at 1130. We will carry that for you and have much, much more. Uh, as we continue, Willie Donick, Darren McFarland will be back in a few. They've gone down for uh, the lock, the open locker room for morning skate. So we'll see what they have to say as well. And uh, we'll have much more coming here on Darren Donick and Chase on ESPN 1025 The Game.